Hi everyone, welcome to Freshwater Perspectives. Today we'll be talking about the ins and outs of inland shrimp farming. Thanks for listening. <laughs> And we're back, Matt. How are we doing? I'm doing, doing great, buddy? Riley. I'm doing great. It's peek behind the curtain. It's been three weeks since we last recorded. I was on vacation, so it's it was great. Got to go back home to Jersey for a little bit. Got to watch some soccer. Got to let's see. So it started Saturday. My cousin got married in Dallas, and then we flew back to Jersey. So we flew up or down to Dallas Saturday morning. Dallas, Texas. Yes, Dallas, Texas. And then up to Jersey. Yeah, so flew into Dallas Saturday morning and then into Jersey Sunday morning. And then Rachel's brother graduated undergrad Monday morning. And then we were, we had like dinner with the family Tuesday, went Mm -hmm. to go see my dad Wednesday and Thursday. I got my groomsmen fitted for their suits on Thursday. Friday was a pretty chill day. Saturday, Rachel and I drove down to DC for a soccer game, drove back after, and then Sunday oh, we Lord. flew back home. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it was a little nonstop, but it was fun. It was a good time. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun, though. Yeah. You have to go home, take a break, cleanse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's nice because stare out at to... the ocean for a while and be like, why am I doing this? Is it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> No, I can do that while I'm here. <laughs> yeah, no, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was nice. What time we see, went down? <laughs> I got to see everybody. It was just nice. Yeah. So, so one one stop shop. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Wow. But yeah, Very just back nice. to work now. What what uh what have you been up to? Um, work's been been crazy. Um and I don't know why. I think it's just it's just the the cadence of the thing. We just got a bunch of you know, projects coming on um you know i'm relatively new and i think you know any any project that's going to come i'm going to be like yeah let's do it you know i think mm-hmm. half the battle is having eager you know people to be involved in so i'm like yeah but let's do it but i i, I do know that like my i'm we're almost to like the full capacity like <laughs> staffing wise we're full capacity but like okay. just just yep for a governmental organization i was like yeah we uh I think we're I think we're we're operating peak peak operations right now. But uh, oh, Sam and I took a fly fishing class. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that. How's that? I think, How's yeah, that been think, going? Um, it just ended, and okay. I'm a master. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I did I did go out one. So we live, not to brag, but like it's like the best spot for <laughs> fly fishing in Minnesota. Like we live, we live on the river, you know what I'm saying? There's the river mm-hmm. and like, it's, it's the one, the root river. And, mm-hmm. um, so what's nice about it though, since we live, you know, a couple blocks away is I do, I just put my waders on and I'm like, I have my fly rod and I grab my bicycle and I just <laughs> bike to all these spots that people like are spending a very, a lot of money to like stay here. <laughs> I love that so mental image. So this mm-hmm. dad and his it's like dad and his son on vacation and then you just yep. hey how's it going and i'm looking out of my way 
but I went and uh, it was right after the fly class. So I thought I knew everything. And um, I slaughtered. I just had just one of those like, you know, river run through the moment days. And it was just, <laughs> it was rainy and it was like foggy out. And it was, I was the only one. And then dude, I just, <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. And then, so there's a peak to the story or the arc. Okay. And the arc is I've gone out like three other times and caught nothing. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but for like a half second there, of course, right after the, um, right after the class, I was like, I am a God. <laughs> no, I'm just killing this. I'm the best. I know, dude. I was like, this, this is easy. I don't know what everybody's been talking about, <laughs> but at least I can get it out there. That was my whole goal. Mm-hmm. So um, I can, I can, you know, do it yeah. now. And um, it's just a matter of, you know, it's it's a long hobby. I knew it going into it. Like it's yeah. gonna be, yeah. So um, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to start making your own flies. I'm waiting for you to get to that point. I know. My wife Sam, she's like, I think I think making flies would be fun. I was like, go for yep. it, please. Yeah. I, I I just can't. I can't. I'm not. I'm this not, hobby, you know me. This hobby, it's I like, a, I feel like this feels like a gateway hobby where you're like, oh, you're just fly fishing. That's all. But then you can make your own flies and then you can customize your reel. <laughs> no, dude. Um, there's people around here. What I've been thinking about deeply is uh, they have these, they're called drift boats. So kind of like an angled boat. You have a front and back middle person rows down and mm-hmm. the people in front and back, they fly off, you know, or cast. Oh. They're just, you know, it's like a guide boat. And um, huh. I, I've been noticing like the same trucks, you know, coming and going like by my area. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the heck? So I Googled it. And they, dude, they make like four to six fifty a day mm-hmm. taking people down this river. And yeah. I was like, that might be something. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times people will tip on top of how much they're yeah. paying the guy. Mm-hmm. Dude, I was like, I can make a tuna sandwich and bring people down the rivers. So I'll just undercut and be like, Guys, I know nothing. You bring your own gear, and uh, I'm just a happy rower. <laughs> and, I'll bring yeah. you where I've seen fish before. It's not the best spot. It may not be the worst spot, but I know there are fish there. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. There's there's the there's one river. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's it. Like, geez, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I just would be like no bones about it, and I'd be yeah. like, hey, I just started. I've been fly fishing for not that long. Trout fishing for a while, but um. If you need someone to row and you know what you're doing, just call me up. I got Yeah, it. I feel like you'd be good for like an old an old guy's been doing it for years. He's like, I don't need some pro tell me yeah. what to do. I just need someone to shut up and, and paddle yep. for me. You and be like a hundred probably two hundred dollars less. Yeah. There's probably like, a niche for that. Y'all come up, you do your thing, I'm a rower. You wanna talk? If you don't want to talk, that's fine. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just row. Don't call yourself an expert guide. You're a guide for experts. Yeah. Oh, Matt. <laughs> Matt. A guide's guide. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, there you go. This is beautiful. Other than that, um, just not much, to be honest. Okay. Being, okay. A, being, a, being a manager, you know. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like you're busy. Ooh, yeah. How about you? I mean, you gave your beginning. Anything else? I don't think so. Honestly, Rachel, we, so we got the wedding in five months, roughly. Yeah. Ah, less than five months now. 
So we decided we're going to try to go on a diet before the wedding and just shred, shred between eating good and going back to the gym. So this is week one. It's going good. I haven't had any crazy cravings, but I'm waiting for that like sugar craving to hit. So we'll see how it goes. So far, so good. We're one weekend. I don't. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Ooh, okay. I have a goal of how much weight I want to lose, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, now you just spoken into existence. Yeah, that's true. I can't it's un- wait till you snap at our old advisor. Just you know, <laughs> week two on it. Uh-huh. No, I cannot go out to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I can't have this pizza. I, it's too many carbs. I can't. <laughs> Stop paying me in pizza, academia. <laughs> ruining my finger uh, that one's too true that one's too true remember <laughs> that first so hard here's a pizza auburn party week, or whatever the first week of auburn welcome back week mm-hmm. and we oh, all the free every food every single yeah, free food great. vendor yeah because they had it online i remember you would like put it on the cal- you had it on the calendar <laughs> i marked every single free food event and i went to it so much pizza that first week oh my god yuck but I was poor. <laughs> I was yeah, very I mean, poor. That's grad school, man. You got to yeah. do what you got to do. If anybody, you know, it's not, you're not destitute, everyone, but you are. They pay you just enough so you can't get on food stamps. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. We did get a raise. You have to admit, we did get a raise. My, our advisor did. Um, Give us yes, a very, very nice raise. So there was others, you know, not as well off as we were. Yeah, plenty of other lives have it worse. We we got we got spoiled a couple years in, so mm-hmm. very nice. Can't complain as much anymore. So <sighs> okay, but are you ready? I'm ready, man. Let's hop into it. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're back. So uh, we're gonna be talking about shrimp farming, and I may have mentioned it the last time we talked that mm-hmm. I was going down the rabbit hole, and I was like. Well, I'm going to bring y'all with me. Um, is it self-serving? Yes. Um, do I have a list of things I need to make it a system? I do. And I'm saving up money because I think it would be fun. And I got to I appreciate this. I feel like this is yeah. this is like a, tri- a a journey through your through your kind of thought. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I'm very I'm very serious about I've I've messaged other people in the industry. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you are getting into it. Side note. They uh they were they they went out of business unfortunately the people I talked to they couldn't get baby shrimp anymore that was the issue oh mm-hmm. yeah. they weren't well, they weren't hatching they were basically oh. like what a lot of cow farmers do they like you know they buy they raise out they sell so yeah I can see why that's not sustainable yeah they said there's like a bunch of hurricanes for the nurseries and yeah but anyways need your own seed stock. So, um, in looking at this, I thought I want to make a podcast about this because time time is precious. So, Matt, shrimp farming. You mm-hmm. did crawfish farming. Mm-hmm. So, this is a, a cousin of sorts. Crustacean still. The crusty cousins. Yes. So, um, let's get right into it, okay? Yeah. So... For those of you who don't know, shrimp is a pretty big deal, okay? Um, and then shrimp farming is growing in population, popularity around in, in many countries. Oh, my God. 
inland shrimp farming is growing in popularity in many different countries. Um, you might think of the Gulf of Mexico when you think about shrimping, right? Mm -hmm. uh, trawls, slow, long nets, like the movie Forrest Gump, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and trawling wild shrimp, you know, that's always going to be around. But there's been a large movement about shrimp farming. So both in coastal waters and now in inland places like Nevada and Iowa, okay? Mm, really? Yes. So, let, okay, let's talk about the global shrimp market before going any further. Yeah. Uh, it's huge. It's huge. Uh, how many per year, how many, the average person, how many pounds of shrimp are they eating a year? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say the average person eats three pounds of shrimp every year. Dang close. Yeah. Four pounds annually. And the worldwide market of shrimp is estimated to be 31.6 billion Ooh. expected to reach 54.6 billion by 2027. Oh my. And farmed shrimp accounts for 55% of the current annual harvest. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's according to World Wildlife Fund. I didn't just pull that out of a normal blah blah. And uh, India, Ecuador, Vietnam, top countries producing farm shrimp. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, the farm shrimp market is growing. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, God, yeah, you think like if there's a big push to go like electric and all this, like, you know, those ships, because we, we import most of our seafood, everybody, mm -hmm. if you don't know mm -hmm. that, it's like, what is the price of seafood going to go? Because, I mean, those ships run on diesel, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. crazy. Sure. And hmm. so shrimp to feed nations, if you want to think of it that way, like as a protein source. Mm -hmm. it's a big picture, right? Um, one of the reasons why it's touted as doing this is because it has a remarkable feed conversion ratio. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, you can some people you might see it FCR in data or like uh, things. It's it's basically how much food does that thing need to eat to produce a pound of meat? Okay, feed conversion ratio. Um, for example, you know, uh, you got a a cow. How many pounds of grass does it need to make a pound of beef? And here's where uh, other proteins match up. So what do you think the highest feed conversion ratio is? So what, for how many pounds of food to one pound of meat? I'm going to say chicken. Chicken is the highest, like mm -hmm. most efficient? Yeah. I'm okay. going to say it's okay, most yeah, efficient. Yeah. The most efficient land one that I have. So 4.2 pounds of feed mm -hmm. to one pound of meat. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's gotten better, you know, or is constantly getting better. Big, big chicken, um, pork, 10 to one beef, 31 to one. I didn't realize it was that high. Milk is 0.7 to one. So drink milk and <laughs> shrimp. Here we go. A pound and a half for one pound of food. It has a wow. remarkable FCR rate. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. They're efficient yeah, little critters. Little fishes are just all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, okay, so the blue we got a booming global market, but it's um it's a product not without issue. Okay, so you might have heard that uh, shrimp farming, for example, has its pros and cons. On one side, you know, you got very small operations like directly making food product for like the population that they're going to serve mm -hmm. so that's like one way of doing it 
um, and you know, Parm Fonch reduces the, the need for water operations. Um, so pros on the other side, you know, farming specifically, you got habitat removal, wetland removal, you know, they're, they're doing farming and mangrove swamps in a lot of cases, and this could be detrimental to tidal ecosystems. Some great, you know, huge operations, you can have a lot of organic waste coming off of it, antibiotics, uh, other chemicals going directly into these natural areas. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a product of farming. You have an intensive operation. That's what's, what's going to happen. But um, yeah. And then, you know, some some of the the potential negative effects. Yeah. That this also combines with transporting goods long distances. So if, if like Asian countries are the mass producers, they got to be transported to places like Europe and the United States as it stands right now because we import a lot of our our seafood um so this is this like a sustainable global like global seafood that can be very difficult okay mm -hmm. um so people if you really like seafood like just understand the misnomers in many different ways like there's still um a cost to what you're 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 getting um us alone so i did say they import most of it so um we import 90 percent of our shrimp annually 1.5 billion pounds to meet our our insatiable shrimp demand wow <laughs> yeah i didn't realize it was that high so people have been looking into ways to market and grow shrimp in land so this can be a thing this is a, a not necessarily a new technology and we'll be talking about this but um, mm -hmm. you can form those ocean and tidal ecosystems indoors and tanks and you grow those shrimp. Uh, Iowa has a really big operation. Minnesota has one too, almost like a, a Hormel-like operation. Hmm. Um, so we're Tyson, the shrimp. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really coming. 13 states in 2018 had operational shrimp farms. Hmm. So Matt, you might ask, well, Riley, how did this start? You know, like where's- Yeah, how, how did it start, Riley? Yeah, and um, culturing shrimp and farm-like operations occurred in Asian countries dating back centuries. Mm -hmm. Indonesian had Indonesian <laughs> small-scale saltwater ponds uh, reported to be in existence since the 15th century. Uh, shrimp were raised alone or in polyculture with other things like rice, okay, mm -hmm. much like um, the crawfish. Mm -hmm. And modern-day farming, though, was kind of touted to start in the 1930s when a researcher or a graduate researcher, to be more specific, at Tokyo University in Japan named Motosako Fiji Naga uh, spawned and reared market-sized shrimp in a wetland designed to be on commercial scale. Uh, this was considered, he, okay, well, Motosako was considered to be the father of inland Japonics farming. Hmm. Direct quotation there. Uh, he had a 40-year research career after re retiring as the director of research for the Bureau of Japanese Fisheries, he began his own shrimp farm, Japanese saltbed beaches. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, this was reported on in 1965 by National Geographic. Um, at that time of the reporting, he was not profitable yet. It was year one. Um, but, you know, geez, give him a minute, National yeah. Geographic. Start small. <laughs> you got to spend money to make money, National Geographic. Geez. Yeah, yeah. And so. He, he started, but then his sons, Ted and Koshi, started consulting all over Southeast Asia. So it began there and spread, really spread really quickly. From this guy came another individuals in the 1960s. 
Uh, there was Kititaka, who began rearing shrimp in outdoor tanks. Okay. And by 1992, Japan had reached 3,000 metric tons of farmed shrimp. Wow. So we're, we're ramping up. And yeah, 150 farms, so. about 40, 400 hectares of ponds. Wow. So we got, you got ponds, tanks, so they're just growing. And what was the like super successful was that it was like fresh shrimp to a market that really likes seafood. Mm-hmm. So that was huge. Um, and these smaller operations could service all these small towns. Mm-hmm. And from Japan and Southeast Asia, that spread to Australia, United States. Um, U.S. shrimp farming began in earnest in 1950s. The Department of the Interior, oddly enough, they had a red tide research um, laboratory. Mm-hmm. And on the side, they began rearing and culturing shrimp. Huh. <laughs> this was in Galveston, Texas. And they, you know, fed their shrimp, the, the marine phytoplankton that they cultured indoors anyways for research. Hmm. Um, and they turned that into a shrimp shing. And it's, to my understanding, it's still going on. So, huh. um, okay. They That's pretty cool. The U.S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go, Matt. I knew yeah. you'd like this. I didn't, Ugh. didn't know that. That's pretty cool. So places like South America, Honduras, Panama, Brazil are really big in this farming endeavor. Um, 75% of shrimp production is in Asia, so China and Thailand are the big ones, but nearly 25% is in Latin America, like Brazil. So um, Latin America is really coming in second with this. Huh. Um, any questions? I don't think so, so far. Okay. Um, yeah, I think you're, yeah, I think we're just getting started here, so you're good. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the basics. So, hey, Matt, how do you do this? Should anybody be interested like me? And we're going to cover the basics of what you need, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is from Purdue University. There's, I don't know, they, they really went down like the rabbit huh. hole, the extension there. Wouldn't Purdue, have guessed Purdue, if I'm honest. And K- Kentucky State University, they have a professor there too. And they'd like, yeah, they, those two universities are really like lead in this whole thing, huh. in my opinion. Good for them. And, Wouldn't um, have guessed. I know. So there's, okay, there's three phases of inland shrimp production. We got the hatchery the nursery mm-hmm. and the grow up phases. You probably mm-hmm. can with those phrasings know what's <laughs> going to say, but hatchery phrase, you got mating, you got egg hatching, larval life cycle. You're getting from small, so it's really intensive, a lot of things are going to die. Um some people don't like doing this because of all that um uncertainty, so they kind of mm-hmm. the one organization or one group or facility might be doing this phase where then the nursery and the grow up phase would be somewhere else. So mm-hmm. hatchery phase, we're hatching them. Nursery phase, we're getting them a little bit bigger. Typically, we want a size of 1.3 grams before going to the next um, next phase. And at that, why they have these phases too is you can like watch and monitor your your product to make sure stuff's going wrong. You don't want to throw in a bunch of small, you know, things into a tank and then it kills it all. Mm-hmm. You spread the bacteria. Biosecurity is a big one too. Uh, but ultimately, the big thing you might, if you ever Google this, it comes out to the grow out phase. Okay. Uh, typically, shrimp are put in the larger tanks in this phase, and we'll get into like the ratio and the numbers. Uh, tanks can be 4,000 gallons or larger. I mean, they can be wow. absolutely huge. And um, they use what's known, and for people that might know this, it's RAS or recirculating aquaculture system. So it uses mm-hmm. a lot less water. It's not like water pumping through a tank and it's going straight down the drain. It's reusing it and it's, using what's known as like a bioflux system to produce um, 
reduce the amount of waste that the shrimp are creating. So you got mm -hmm. shrimp in there, they're eating, they're producing waste, and that waste can be um, toxic in some forms, like ammonia, mm -hmm. right? Like, and there's bacteria people have come to find that, you know, can break this down and kind of make this cycle where you produce in one thing, you clean the water in the next thing, and it just circulates through and mm -hmm. you save like 99% of your water. Um, the grow out phase can be 11 to 14 weeks, but varies depending on how big the producer wants to shrimp. And there's really a higher, it's one of these few um, proteins where the bigger you get them, the more money you're going to make. Mm -hmm. So think of jumbo shrimp. Yeah. People are like, yes, give me that jumbo shrimp. I don't want no popcorn shrimp. Give me that jumbo shrimp. So 15-ish mm -hmm. um, weeks, you know, you can get to a bigger size. People wow. like that. Wow, that's a lot faster than I expected. I don't know. You just, yeah. you think of, you think of a lot of other animals you have to grow out. It's months at a time. And you're, you're talking about a week scale. That's fantastic. Yeah. And you talked yeah, so you about... effectively could get a few um a few harvests oh 100 so, like, yeah you're not yeah. like it's not like cattle where it's got it's a two-year scale and you need what 50 acres or something it's like mm -hmm. i mean you could have a small footprint and just keep going keep going mm -hmm. keep going yeah so, that's pretty impressive so the system you talked about obviously this is this will be indoor tank system do you know yes. about any inland shrimp farming that happens in like a pond system pond scale or is that just too hard for kind of saltwater setup i know in like down ooh, that's a good question because i know like alabama extension had like shrimp um extension going on but mm -hmm. i don't know if those ponds were in direct connect like a connected waterway to the bay you know yeah, i have or no not. idea i have I no idea either i know yeah, you got, so we'll talk about salinity. Like it's not as much salinity as you think. Hmm. So um, like there's some effectively freshwater, you know, brackish. Oh, so interesting. It's like, mm -hmm. So if you had an area that was a little more saline, I think Alabama had some like saline soils. Like, Yeah, I think so. I think the Western yeah. part, I think below the fall line. So that kind of more Western and Southern parts of the state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Okay. Any, other, yeah. any other ones before we go? No, but yeah, that makes sense though, because I mean, yeah, actually, because I guess that was the first barrier I was thinking of. If you're trying to do like a massive pond scale, yeah, you need to get that mm -hmm. salinity high enough. So you're probably dumping tons and tons of salt in there. But if the salinity is not as high as you may think, it may be more doable. Yeah. But I assume there's reasons that that's not done. Maybe it's harder to harvest them out of a huge pond rather than a tank. It has you know, to be I yeah so in the like, videos i was watching they definitely had like inland systems i just don't mm -hmm. know yeah if they're you know yeah if you're you're draining a pond as you know like you're dropping down a standpipe and then um yeah are you losing all that salinity so like salt mm -hmm. is actually a really big expense for people that do this so like yeah, to lose that mind. water yeah. um it's not necessarily the best yeah it's not profitable. however yeah i mean talk about cheaper you just yeah. have it in a pond you grow them out and yeah boom yeah and then I, i'm just imagining trying to harvest a bunch of tiny little animals in like this just muddy huge yeah. pond i can't imagine definitely, yeah definitely happens though yeah yeah huh it's interesting. interesting yeah okay okay <sighs> but let's get back to tank tank production in yeah. inland tank production 
So what uh, what's the setup look like? So we talked about the phases, now the setup. Mm -hmm. uh, and Dr. Andrew Ray, Kentucky State University, um, and then the North Central Aquaculture Center. So I think that's in Iowa. They actually did a bunch of stuff too. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about building and sink tank setup. So okay, you're in, you're in, let's say you're in Minnesota. What are you going to need? Uh, you're going to need a building. It's going to need to be insulated. Um, you need to have it ventilated, so carbon dioxide. Okay, um, it's both a health danger as well as it can mess with your tank system pH and DO. Mm -hmm. You have higher. Yep. So, isn't that fun? Um, and then your other. I mean, the really the system. It can be as simple as you know, like a, a swimming pool, like a literal above ground swimming pool oh. is what they grow them out of. Mm -hmm. hmm. Or some do like, uh, they get like the, the pond liners and they make like, you know, a center block, huge, like oh. thing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. They just line it and go for it. It's pretty, it's pretty hmm. low key, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so depth is about three feet of water. So it helps with the oxygen transfer. You're gonna need some netting. And um, some other stuff we'll talk about, but that's like the footprint. That's it. You need a building. You need the tank. You need, I guess, drainage too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Next big one, aeration, obviously. Mm -hmm. Three cubic feet per minute is needed. And this is actually, they, they base aeration off of feed. So the more feed you mm -hmm. do, um, the more aeration you need. Makes sense. You got oxygen breakdown or um, breakdown of bacteria that's going to need oxygen as well as your... So it's like a, the system looks really brownish because it's like like a mangrove swath, right? It's not like mm -hmm. clear water. It's like that that intertidal. Really, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of breakdown happening. So mm -hmm. um, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, next, you got to deal with solids and suspension. So solids in this case need to be like suspended in the water column. They're filter feeders. Okay. Oh yeah, um, true. And like they can like your food needs to go but then they can like almost recycle what they're eating too so there's like they can eat the bacteria that's growing oh. so that's why the feed conversion ratio is so low is that like you got mm. you get your protein your carbohydrates but there's also stuff that you know that bacteria that's you know breaking down in in the water well breaking down the food as well as like breaking down that nitrogen you know they're mm -hmm. they're filtering it up so that's interesting hmm. um da, 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 but there's you gotta you know remove solids at some point too so they have a settling chamber okay it's much it's like a wastewater treatment remember when i was talking about wastewater treatment plants yeah it's like what you do is you have a chamber and there's like a cone on the bottom and it's like mm -hmm. the faster moving water hits slower moving water and it drops out the sediment so it's it's like a and there's also what's known as a foam fractionator we're going deep everyone what that is is like it makes bubbles it looks like the pasta water you know <laughs> you know it like foams up and it traps like super small particles and oh, it like interesting lifts it out of the system and out the other way so there's like a cone with like a, a spout huh. and it's just like boom yeah huh. i've i've heard of them when i was working like in a hatchery i didn't ever use one i use a settling chamber yeah but um and then so like, so as far as keeping their food suspended, is there any flow? Is there like a lot of flow in the system or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for letting me. Yeah. So there is a lot of flow. So you got um, a lot of them make it like a, like a, so they make the flow all going one way and then they okay. put a dividing wall in the middle. So if you had like 
flow going around the side, your middle would be the settling chamber where there'd be that slow moving water. Okay. It's like an eddy, but like yeah. if you put, put something in the middle, it just like makes it go around and around. Mm-hmm. Another issue with the solids is that if you have like solids accumulating, it produces anaerobic bacteria. Some of them oh. can produce hydrogen sulfide. Ooh. And that is like immediately toxic to mm-hmm. shrimp. Mm-hmm. So they're like, don't, don't you dare, Matt. But with, um, so yeah, there's stuff moving around. So it could be like, you know, aerators, if you put them on the bottom, it both helps with flow as well as keeping things suspended. And there's a fine line because they're filter feeders. You got to have like a fine line of how much suspended material is too much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yes. more suspended material. You got oxygen, risk of ammonia, anaerobic bacteria going on, but too little, your your things are not going to eat, right? Yeah. And um, so they actually like have a settling like measurements that they would want, like, and it's like if you you have to be like within this range, and then it's like yeah, hmm. little, little buggers are happy. So <laughs> they go deep, man. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It sounds it. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, you you really did go down a rabbit hole here. Yeah. The next is biofiltration. So we kind of talked about this. So if you have a biofilter, um, it's it's growing bacteria to break down the waste. So ammonia into nitrate, nitrate and NO3, um, nitrite. So um, the, the object of this game is to get it to nitrites because they're less toxic than the other ones. Okay. But not without toxicity okay Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um what they usually do is like so you have like your tank where you're growing your stuff and then you have another little like like a 50 gallon drum where they have all these beads in there and within the beads is growing um bacteria so like there's there'll be like a film on all these beads and Hmm. this is what is known as a biofilter so um oh there's one other step too so usually they have the settling chamber to like get out the solids and then it goes like the clean water goes into this biofilter because gotcha. the bacteria are like eating like the nutrients in the water, not necessarily the, yeah. the, the solids. Right. Okay. I guess they would eat the solids, but um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen all those, I seen all those weird looking bio balls in those RAS systems. I guess I never thought yeah. about what exactly is going on with those. Okay. That makes so sense. that is, that is, yeah, the breakdown okay. It cleans it out. And then the receiving line goes back into the tank and you effectively got cleaner yeah. water than what so you the had ball before. the balls just act as surface area for the algae mm-hmm. to kind of just live on yep. essentially okay yep. okay next you have to worry about water quality obviously man so we got temperature needs to be at 83 degrees so pretty warm Ooh, that's warm it can really be warm. lower to reduce stress but like kind of it's like they have a nice little range but like 83 is you know close wow. to what you'd want it yeah okay so that can like that can require a lot of energy right yes so for sure that. wow and then um that's why you gotta have a nice building too you can't just have it yeah yeah you can i would imagine almost like a greenhouse to try to keep all that heat in some people do greenhouses yeah. for sure mm-hmm. um do is the next one obviously what do, what do you think they need to be kept at do level Hmm. I don't know if they're really hardy or really sensitive. I'm going to go, they need like five milligrams per liter. Yes. Five. That's like the, the golden number in aquaculture. Nice. Um, 15 minutes without oxygen, depending on your system, because there's so much 
bacteria going on in there could mean like 100% mortality. So wow. most systems have backup generators mm-hmm. or like liquid pressurized oxygen. Just oh, in wow. Case. Yeah, no, it's a big deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, 15 minutes is not a long time. So, yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, Salinity. pH is been, you know, seven to eight. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of your your, uh, token pH level. Salinity, 15 to 20 parts per thousand PPT. Okay. It's a good range. Uh, They can live up, from what I was reading, like 35. But again, that's a lot. Yeah, I think 35 is about seawater, right? Or is that exactly seawater? Yeah. I think that's exactly seawater. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. So about almost almost half. And so, yeah, about yep. about half. Okay. Yeah. Lower salt levels do allow for ammonia nitrate to become more toxic to shrimp. Mm. So you got to think about that too. Remember, I don't know if you took fish health, but there is like a nice ratio. It's like pH, a couple other things, but yeah, that all kind of hmm. plays into what how toxic ammonia is. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting, and no, I didn't. No, I, I didn't take the shell. Yeah, but no, that's interesting. I, yeah, I, I didn't know yep. that. Yep. Uh, ammonia nitrate. So you want it below 0.2 milligrams per liter. Nitrite mm. between below um, one milligram per liter. And oh, so, yeah. nitrate is the one that's less toxic. Hopefully, I trying to think if I said that up above or if I mix, mixed them up. But nitrate. I think you said, so think nitrate, you said nitrite earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I apologize. So NO3 is what we're talking okay. about. And so it can re- cause reduced growth at extremely high levels relative <laughs> to the other ones. So 0.2 and 1 milligram per liter for mm-hmm. um, ammonia nitrate, but nitrate at 250 milligrams per liter. Oh. So it's pretty dang high, right? Yeah. But if you have, <laughs> you know, if you're running, it's, you know, it's going through, 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 like a, yeah, um, that can be an issue. There okay. is another. So some people have used anaerobic filters. So you don't like want anaerobic stuff because of like hydrogen sulfide production, but mm-hmm. um, anaerobic filters can convert nitrate into NO2 gas, N2 gas. Oh. So. Oh yeah, like, they can. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. Because that might, you know, if you don't do it right, it's gonna make cause hydrogen sulfide production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not good. Okay. 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 We're getting to the nitty gritty. So again, nursing grow out phase. Um, you can stock your fish at in the nursery phase at 9.5 shrimp per gallon. Okay. So oh, a lot of buggers. Wow. Yeah. In that's a lot. Area. They fed 15% biomass per day and then going down like 3%. So a lot of feed in the beginning, mm-hmm. slowly moving off uh, 50% protein. If you remember, you know, more protein in many cases, the better. There's a ratio. If you feed them too much, then they're not, you know, but um, yeah, they just eat all the time. So like a good tell, like to figure out if your shrimp are doing well, it's like, you just look to see, cause they're translucent. Mm-hmm. It's like, look at their, their gut and they're, mm-hmm. they're always should be food, you know, a constant line. So that's, that's the system. Now a big people, what they're like really getting into is the economy of shrimp farming. So like, Growing them was one thing, but then like, how are you going to sell them? Mm-hmm. So like, that's a lot of people are doing like direct to consumer. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, Dr. I apologize. Dr. Quagrini of Purdue extension mm-hmm. did like a, basically like an economic, it was really interesting, like 
how much, what's your break even number, right? Like how much, how much you have to sell your shrimp per pound to to break even. So, um, we talked about what's in the system, but now like, you know, what are your, your fixed costs, for example. Mm -hmm. So like, what's, what's, there's fixed costs, your variable costs, like fixed, you got housing, you know, um, heating, electrical. So housing, they kind of were like, you're going to start this in your own, uh, barn. So like housing Mm -hmm. is effectively cheap. Mm -hmm. If you had to buy something, this, these numbers just go way out of proportion. So I think that's why they, you know, um, heating, electrical, 6% of your like overall costs. If you had to get a loan on this, that's 9% of your overall costs. Feed okay. is eleven percent, so feed is huge. Yeah, labor is labor is thirteen percent of your costs, mm-hmm. and shrimp, and like the post larva that you're gonna you know go out if you're not breeding, that's twenty four percent of your costs. So if you're not okay. growing out your own shrimp, twenty four percent just gone. Hmm. So that's a big bite, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so it took like a um, hypothetical example. Uh, say you stock your shrimp at 250 shrimp per meter squared, 50 shrimp at 2,600 square feet. Uh, if you had an 80% survival, this has, and you, you're going to grow out a sh- single shrimp to 24 grams, um, you'd have like a, 11 pounds per 250 gallons. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, growing your shrimp to larger size, that'll be more expensive, but then it takes more time and you know, risk necessarily more risks, more longer you wait, the more things go wrong. Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, typically 24, 20 to 24 shrimp per pound. That's like the nice range that they do. Okay. okay? Uh, you go to farmer's market, you know, do direct sales. It's kind of your best way to go. If you go to a distributor or a restaurant, they're going to undercut you another middleman. Mm-hmm. Um, so to market them as like fresh, never frozen. Yep. Uh, but okay, so what was interesting about this thing was that they did a break-even point, and okay. say you have like an eight eight pool system, so you got like eight tank, like literally they're pools, like those okay. like above ground circle ones. Mm-hmm. I think it's like Intex or whatever the, the brand is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, right. Yep, yep. You produce them for fourteen weeks. Uh, your total costs per year would be eighty five thousand dollars. That's like what they like starting out. You buying this mm. stuff eighty five thousand. Oh, so that's um, like year this one. intensive thing. That's like yeah. year one cost. Okay, okay, okay. And you're harvesting them to like 20, 24 grams per. Uh, you'd have grown with that 80% survival about 241,000 shrimp or okay. about 6,202 well, pounds of shrimp for that year. Wow. Okay. And then it like did this like, what's, what's the break even point? So you have all these expenses bumped up. Mm-hmm. And they did the math backwards, and your expenses would be thirteen dollars and seventy six cents per pound. Ooh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's so, way higher than I thought. It's pretty high, and um, selling so typical people sell for sixteen dollars a pound. This was in a while ago, too, mind you. Mm-hmm. I saw twenty one dollars per pound for shrimp, like uh, freshwater yeah. shrimp in our supermarket or the the jumbo never yeah. frozen. Um, but okay, so it's sixteen a pound. That's fourteen thousand in profits. Mm-hmm. If you get up higher, you know, twenty one. That's a pipe dream. That'd be forty five thousand a year. Okay. Wow. Uh, lots of thing to consider. So uh, labor was thirteen percent. If you're doing it by yourself, that would cut out thirteen percent. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're doing your post larvae, you know, by growing them yourself, so that's 24% of your cost. Remember? Um, so if you did this yourself and took out your labor rate, that would be, you would save 31,000 a year just on those two line items. Wow. And if you got your mortality rate under control, so I think it was an 80%, I said, so if you, mm-hmm. you know, you know, some people were saying they're getting it under like under 90% survival. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that would, you know, greatly increase your profits as well. But yeah, it's not cheap. Yeah. So going back to getting like your seed stock in your nursery shrimp, how difficult is that? I mean, it's got, I guess it can't be easy considering a lot of people don't do it, but I guess what are the kind of major hardships that are like, I guess what are the major barriers to it? Yeah. So I think, well, I did talk to somebody about this Mm -hmm. and, um, they ultimately what their issue is with like um they're all in the same area so okay the one year they said florida and texas were hit by hurricanes and it like knocked out the production of these these grow out shrimps that they were getting from yeah um so i like really messed them up for a couple years and then they went to a different producer in hawaii and they just were like the mortality rates were through the roof so Hmm. Um, that was an issue and then they were okay. also saying that like these people are to just get like a small amount of shrimp is hard to do mm-hmm. um, to grow out like they're they're these other people i mean if you think it on like the um the like the people that are producing these post larvae like they want to give basically have like less customers less headaches and work mm-hmm. with like really big producers so mm-hmm. they're like pushing out the smaller people like oh you want this it's going to be really expensive to get these little guys yeah whereas you know we're gonna we're gonna work with people that can take you know millions at a time from us yeah but like so if you wanted to start shrimp farming tomorrow and you're and you can't get any seed stock what so how how difficult would it be for you to start kind of breeding your own seed stock i haven't looked in the breeding yet Mm -hmm. i do know the ones I was looking for, yeah, it's it was like the more mature, so like the more mature they are, the more expensive they cost. Okay. So even like you know, there's there's levels to a young fish, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like the most mature one, it was sixty five dollars per thousand shrimp. Ooh. So like, I guess if you bit the bullet and got a couple rounds of those, and then started your you know the breeding program yourself, that's the yeah. way to do it. Yeah, and I guess right away. So, so for so if you had let's just say like one generation of breeding pairs, right? How long? How many times can they mate? Do you know like what's the life expectancy on those? I don't know. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I know it's the life expectancy is not that fifteen weeks; it's longer. Yes, it has Um, to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they can breed multiple times, but yeah, how many you get out? I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I'm just gonna look up the life expectancy of like a Pacific white shrimp. Typically, less than two years is what Noah says. Um, but let's see. Oh, look at this production cycle. You have a maturation tank. Um. They spawn. Yeah, look at that. Jeez. They little Napoli eye. 
the mm-hmm. larval reeling tanks. Um, some yeah. Little, yeah, you harvest. It doesn't say how many times you can do it, though. I can definitely see how it can get out of hand because you just need... I mean, I guess I don't know exactly how they breed or what they need, but I can see how there's just there needs to be constant turnover with your breeding, yeah. with your kind of breed, brood, breed stock, brood stock. I don't know what it's called. Brood stock. Well, yeah. yeah, with that brood stock, that it's probably just too much of a headache to keep track of, and then you're having to not only take all those eggs and get them hatched, but then move them over to the nursery, and then once they're grown, move the nursery up to it's that. I don't, that's physically just yeah. not a one man job. So that's why people were, um, yeah, that's literally one of what one producer was like, that's why they do it is they, it's yeah. simple. Like these people got that process down. You use mm-hmm. the expertise and then, yeah, like if you, there's an issue, right. Then that's on them. But yeah. Then, yeah I f- you're paying for that service, right? Yeah. I feel like personally, I would just try to get really good at the breeding, start with the breeding right i know and then work my way up because then if you can get really good at the breeding even if your mortality if you get your mortality down to like 50 percent, oh my god you're cooking okay (laughs) but anyways so that is my spiel i will keep you posted i have asked and asked my wife and i was like can i get one start in the basement a little guy just a little guy and she finally said yes that's where it always starts. You give but them an did, inch, they take a mile. I had, I have to vent the, I want to like make it a little, like a little dome and I'm venting it out so it doesn't smell, <laughs> you know, and have a fan going. Oh my goodness. But that is it. So it probably won't work, but um, I'm having a kid <laughs> and I'm effectively thinking I'm not going to be taking a vacation here for the next three years. So yeah, that makes sense. I have a home gym I'm starting as well. And I'm just never going to leave. I'm going to be super pale. Yeah, you got somewhere to escape to when the baby's yeah. crying. You just go down and just stare at your shrimp. I'm feeding my shrimp! <laughs> uh, my I gotta are check the DL! Absolutely crazy. <laughs> I know. Have you checked it today? <laughs> Get the little dipstick for the ammonia. Yep, that's, I can definitely see it now. Dude, I had yep, to I'm I gonna make it. a little biofilter out of a five-gallon bucket. Mm-hmm. Just side note. Thank God for YouTube. I mean, anything under the oh, sun. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. So that's, I, I only fix my, if I can't find it on YouTube how to fix my car easily, then I'll take it to the shop. But yeah, that's it. So um, if anybody's interested, you can find more on um, Freshwater Perspectives at substack.com. Um, just type in Freshwater Perspectives. You can find this information there. And um, we do have an email. You can find us at uh, fwperspectives at gmail.com. No one's ever emailed us. Please email us. I know there's seven of you at least. Okay. (laughs) We have a a thing. So, (laughs) Ah, but okay. All right. Nice job, Riley. See you next week. Thanks. See ya.